Hi, it's Lisa. Welcome back to The Healing Path, a podcast created to connect our broken hearts as we journey into honest conversations about grief and loss in our daily lives. Following the deaths of two of my children, I struggled for many years to fill the holes in my heart. I felt like I tried everything. Prayer, meditation, therapy, coaching, reading, journaling, waiting, you name it. Plus, I tried a few less productive approaches. And after two decades of continuing to grieve, it occurred to me that maybe I'd set the wrong goal. Instead of trying to feel better by filling those painful voids, I've learned that building a life around them is a much more attainable target. A major part of this approach is talking openly about what my grief is like instead of keeping it to myself. With this newfound permission to let all the parts of me be here, I feel more human and less like a robot on autopilot. So I created the Healing Path podcast with the hope that sharing our stories in a mutually compassionate environment will help us to stop working so hard to hide our scars from ourselves and others and start wearing them proudly as the medals of love that they are. So thank you for joining this episode of the Healing Path podcast This is another one of those podcasts where I'm going to bring a couple of posts together, so it's a little bit longer than usual, and uh, I'll certainly give you a heads up when it would be a good time to take a break if you're so inspired. So the name of this post is You Too, and it's a two-part post that was shared in July of 2021. I first saw Bono in the recorded You Too live performance of Sunday Bloody Sunday on MTV in the early 1980s. I was captured by his presence and power and the connection I felt to him, the band, the lyrics. I was a young teenager, as in search of meaning then, as I continue to be, and I couldn't get enough of U2's music or Bono himself. In the late 80s, U2 went on the Joshua Tree Tour. In my senior year of high school, I got to see U2 perform at the Carrier Dome in Syracuse, New York, where I grew up. Beyond the typical high school crushes that we get for rock stars, I found the lyrics of U2's music to be electrifying and magnetic. Songs like, I still haven't found what I'm looking for, would be played hundreds of times on my cassette tapes, turned CDs, and eventually Pandora and Spotify mediums for the tunes. Yeah, I thought, I can relate, that's me. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Fast forward 30 years, yikes, U2's music has continued to inspire me, console me, and travel with me through the ups and downs of the last few decades. The piercing and deeply resonating words of U2's songs seem to evolve and grow, as I was also evolving and growing. Lyrics like, the darkness just lets us see who we are, from Iris, kept me company when I sat in darkness, literally and figuratively. The companionship of music that felt real to me literally gave me hope that there was something to find in the darkness. A suspicion I'd always had hearing these lyrics again and again reminded me that I was not alone in my quest to uncover whatever there was to be found. It's a journey, not a destination, but hey, why not travel with you two along the way? When Zach was a toddler, I used to put him in the running stroller and play U2's version of Halter Skelter again and again as I ran mile after mile and subsequently moved into my marathon running years. Bono's comment in the beginning of the live version, 
quote, Charles Manson stole this song from the Beatles, and we're stealing it back, unquote, seemed to parallel my own attempts to take back my life after losing my daughter and realizing my son would be on life support indefinitely. I was so grateful for a safe outlet to channel my commitment of never giving up. Most recently, another lyric, powerful, has come from, I think it also comes from Iris, is, quote, free yourself to be yourself, only you can see yourself, unquote. Right. (laughs) One of the aha movements, uh, one of the aha moments and movements of middle age for me has been to stop looking side to side, stop looking ahead and behind to find my identity from the reflections around me. And this quote from Antonio Machado that I first heard on a comment from Jeff Warren is another powerful way to capture the spirit of this living one day at a time. Quote, Wanderer, your footsteps are the road, and nothing more. Wanderer, there is no road. The road is made by walking, unquote. So taking a little bit of a pause, just transitioning into the second part of this post, if you need to take a break or want to grab a coffee or something, uh, this would be a great time. Otherwise, let's keep going. So you two and the second part of this included the term RAS which stands for Reticular Activating System. So U2 and RAS, I first learned about the brain's reticular activating system in a behavioral neuroscience course in undergrad studies. Fascinating. The function of this neural network is, among other things, to filter cognitive input so that our brains don't go into overload. In lay terms, the RAS approves entry for data deemed critical to our brain and dismisses irrelevant data before we ever even receive it. One of the best examples of how this works is observed in the purchase of a new vehicle. We do research on cost, functionality, features, and benefits on a particular car. Eventually, we buy a car. Then suddenly, everywhere we look, as if they had never been there before, we start to notice the make and the model of the vehicle we bought all over the road. Did everyone buy this car when I did? (laughs) They seem to be all over the place. The answer is no. There are not more of that particular vehicle on the road. But our reticular activating system has registered the information as important since we've been so focused on it. So the cars have always been around us, but we didn't notice them until our RAS started letting that data in. As Oprah and others say, what we focus on expands, which I actually think is a pretty exciting concept. But coming back to the post, sure enough, as I listened to the XM radio in my vehicle yesterday, I heard a U2 song that was new to me. The lyrics caught me and resonated. We are the people we've been waiting for. Was this the first time I'd heard the song? More likely, it's probably just my reticular activating system being hypersensitive to improving this data to enter my brain, having deemed it worthy with so much focus on U2 lyrics earlier in the day. As it turns out, the track itself is relatively new and also the official UEFA Euro 2020 song. Either way, I'm happy to have a new-to-me U2 gem to add to my inspiration playlist. 
The spirit of the song seems pretty close to Gandhi's famous mantra, be the change you want to see in the world. If it's good enough for Gandhi, and if it's good enough for you too, I'm giving my RAS an inner high five for picking it up and letting it in. Let's go be the people we've been waiting for and focus on the things we wish to expand in our minds and in the world. What if you too, band members, had looked side to side or ahead and behind for their identity or for permission to unfold in their own unique, authentic way? We would have had another 80s band who peaked and then went on to grow older like the rest of us with no time-tested creative forces left behind. Instead, the band members saw themselves. The band, you 2 allowed itself to evolve with philanthropic ties, endless valuable contributions to humanity, the planet, political movements, and yes, ongoing incredible lyrics that are time-tested. Some of their songs are just pure poetry, and if I read them on paper without the music, I could just as easily be reading The Tao or Stillness Speaks. Transformative. I still haven't found what I'm looking for, but I'm a lot closer than I used to be. The more I turn inward, the closer I get to realizing there's so much more that I'm capable of being. So thanks again uh, for joining this episode of The Healing Path and bringing these two posts that are kind of some of our brain function and also how it's pertaining to music and we can all relate to that. Um, the example I gave about shopping for a car, you know, this is so true. And actually the technology now, sadly, we're not imagining that uh, we're seeing things that we were just talking about. Um, they're actually being picked up and shoved into our aura. But anyway, that's another topic um, altogether. But what I want to do with just this little bit of uh, commentary time, if you're so inspired to stick around, is talk about this idea of the reticular activating system, we'll call it the RAS, and how this can relate to our grief experience and how it can influence our ability to pave a healing path for ourselves. So what I mean by that is this RAS, it's it's actually a really neat thing. Some people call it like the bouncer of the mind, but the reticular activating system, it's like a, you know, just this machine that is working to keep the majority of the signals and the input that's coming at us away. Because just like a computer, you know, our brain can go into overload, which I think would essentially be a seizure or, you know, when it folds. Um, but yeah, we don't want that to happen. And so this little built in part, the RAS, it's just very quietly hard at work, really regulating what comes through. And the reason this matters, particularly in grief, but overall, it's just an important concept because it begs the question, what are we training our reticular activating systems to focus on? And the way we answer that question is simple. How are we living our days? What are we allowing into our minds? What are we looking at? What images? What sounds? What words? What language are we using? What language are we allowing to be used around us? All of these types of things go into that RAS program to let it know what it should be on the lookout for, to make sure that you don't miss the things that seem to be relevant to you. So this is really good news, but it can also be a challenge because it might 
call into question, you know, some of the things that we allow for easy example, but television and violence for me, you know, years ago, (laughs) my former husband used to like to watch wrestling like 30 years ago. And that was the beginning of my kind of understanding of, yeah, this is not for me. And then over time, I, you know, continue to be polite and watch, you know, Die Hard and, and all these movies. But over time, I'm now to the point where I don't even actually own a television because that's just not for me. So by programming my own brain um, with what I want it to pay attention to by virtue of my choices of what I allow into my sensory integration, then I can have some control over what I'm going to be more focused on kind of in a proactive way. This is getting a little bit confusing. What I'm saying is what we focus on expands. So in the grief scenario, if we are um, borrowing tragedy and sorrow in the aftermath of our grief, which there is nothing wrong with if that's the only way that we can express our grief. But most of the time, it's something we go back to kind of this, I've, I've heard this term nostalgia for sorrow. And we'll, we'll spend time, you know, looking at these tragedies and heaven knows we, we don't have a shortage of places to look, whether it's at the Ukraine or the school shootings, we, we're around tragedy all the time. So it's not hard to find a way to kind of lean into this. But as we program in the faces and the, and the sorrow and the devastation that we see the images of and that we hear in their voices and we know that pain, and we're kind of like, we're kind of programming that into our reticular activating system so that we're hyper-focused now on on the sorrow and the pain and it keeps us, it kind of then feeds itself as a system. So this is where things like meditation and yoga and mantras and mind training come in, you know, extremely powerfully because once we understand that we have a lot um, of power about what we put into our brains and what comes out, we start to take that, you know, really seriously, or hopefully we do. So yeah, I got to see Sunday Bloody Sunday as a very young teenager. Um, I just love this band. I love their lyrics. I love their long-term commitment. And they're just kind of unfoldment. I think we should all be aiming to become, you know, more of who we are and more of who we're capable of being. And part of certainly that um, journey is checking out our brain and what are we putting in there? So here's to the darkness letting us see who we are. Um, and yeah, until next time, let's do our best to stay present, to stay grateful and to stay healing. And let's also just, yeah, keep that awareness and see what we're actually putting into our reticular activating system. And P.S. Thank you for listening. <laughs>